0: Right now, Brex is offering approved accounting partners the ability to offer their clients a thousand dollar signup bonus and waived card fees for life when they sign up for a Brex corporate card. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor Brex later in the episode. Have you done any of these like kind of use Zoom to do a social thing? I'm getting invited to a lot of them. Yeah. I think it's kind of fun to do, but I also might, I'm now in a Zoom eight hours a day I don't want to do another zoom (laughs) like in the evening right and it actually in a way it makes you miss going out and having a drink yeah Yeah. it hit me yesterday I was like I don't want to see these people again this episode of the cloud accounting podcast is sponsored by minute seven are you struggling to get your clients to juggle between two apps one for time tracking and one for expense tracking what if I told you that you can put them on one app that does both Minute 7 does time and expense tracking for professional service firms at a price you would pay for just one app. Minute 7's super easy-to-use interface enables employees to quickly enter time and expenses from their PCs, Macs, iPhone, and Android devices, even including the tracking of associated customers or jobs. Minute 7 syncs with both QuickBooks Online and QuickBooks Desktop for invoicing or reimbursement. There are some apps that do time tracking and some apps that do expense tracking. To learn more about how the highly rated Minute 7 does both and to get three free months by using code CAP when you sign up, head over to minute 7 That is cloudaccountingpodcastpromo forward slash M-I-N-U-T-E, the number seven. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. OnPay is an easy to use full service payroll that's the right fit for all your clients, whether they have just one or 500 employees. They handle all the complicated stuff like agricultural payrolls, Form 943, multi-state and H-2A visas. OnPay even makes it easy to switch from other payroll services by doing all the data entry for each client that you set up. Right now, Cloud Accounting Podcast listeners can get three free months of OnPay payroll service. To learn more, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo onPay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O N P A Y.
1: Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver.
0: And I'm David Leary. Blake, we're back at it.
1: We're back at it. I'm still in Phoenix at my parents' place. They haven't kicked us out yet, so that's a good sign. We've survived as a family—five-year-old wife, grandparents—all together.
0: Now that you have some help, it's because one of the reasons motivations for you vacating LA, besides it being LA yeah. and going to uh, Phoenix with your parents, was you need some uh, assistance for um for working at home because it's hard to do yeah. work at home with your kid there. Yeah, is that better now?
1: Oh yeah, I mean it would have been impossible i said like i would have had to quit my job or my wife would have had to quit her job like we can't raise a active 5 year old boy and both try to work or she would have had to take advantage of some of that uh like medical leave or family care leave that is now available to folks so yeah it's a, it's a good thing i'm i'm really grateful that we're in this situation and we both can work remotely which is fantastic
0: yeah i had to lock down my calendar a lot tighter this week but it was it was smoother But I had to be really diligent about like, sorry, I'm actually going to go and have lunch and do a run. And sorry, I'm not taking meetings during this time because I actually have to maybe do heads down and do some work, right? Because the previous week before was just too chaotic. And then on top of that, you know, having kids at home, just. I think that was like that for everybody. Like two weeks ago, was complete chaos, and like this week has felt a little bit more execution-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you finished the week up with a big, huge webinar or something—twelve hundred people, eighteen hundred people. What was it?
1: Yeah. So we last week decided to spin up a COVID nineteen template in Giraffe, like something we could roll out for partners who want to do quick forecasting for their clients. Under thirty minutes setup template. You've got a three-way financial statement forecast for the next twelve months. And so we planned a series of webinars and we did one on Friday and it was called Forecasting the Economic Impact of COVID-19. And we did it on CPA Academy and 1,758 people attended this webinar. I've never had that happen at that scale on the CPA Academy. It just, they had to spin up another go webinar instance and have like it simulcast into that one, I think, because we broke the
0: limits Wow. So it's not 700 people said they would think about coming and then only like 30% actually show like it was straight up 700 people were trying to get into the room. Yeah.
1: And over 2000 registered. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a popular topic. And, um, in that webinar, I will put that link in the show notes. I show the model that I created for the growth of COVID-19 in the United States, And the impact of that in terms of cases and hospitalizations and deaths, it's a very simple model, not anything nearly as as sophisticated as what these epidemiologists are creating that you may have seen online. But the cool thing about the model I made is that you can actually see the formulas. It uses the exponential growth formula of a virus, and you can modify the assumptions and you can see what happens. And it has limitations, but I think it's really a helpful tool at least it was for me, in understanding what happens and how quickly a virus can grow in in the population, uh, depending on the, how you change some of these assumptions. So it's kind of a sobering webinar because, uh, well, the chance that we're going to open up the country in April is non-existent, if you ask me. Uh, I mean, unless we want to do that while thousands of people a day are dying, which I just don't see it. Like, I don't see politicians doing that. <laughs> so We're in this for the long haul. My conclusion after doing this webinar and a bunch of research around it is we're going to peak in May probably. And so then it's going to come down June, July. And I just don't see things getting back to normal until August or September, which, you know, that's a lot longer than most people think. I saw some polls. We actually did a poll on the webinar. When do you think the economy will reopen? In other words, we'll be mostly back to business as usual. 5% on the webinar said April, 24% said May, 34% said June, 16% said July, and then 21% said August or later. These were folks that already saw the webinar. You know, I'd already talked about the model at that point. So maybe I influenced them a bit. But I think most Americans are a little more optimistic than that. So they're, they're, they're in.
0: Yeah, I um, I suspect everybody's a little bit more optimistic than the reality that's, that's happening. But there are some signs, though, right? At a generic level, there's a website. Um, there's a company called Kinsa, K-N-S-A. Mm-hmm. And they basically have Wi-Fi thermometers. They have like four or five years of data of when people are getting sick. And they can track it state by state. And you could really see where the states as social distancing was implemented, how the – obviously, everything's going to be influ, influenced, not just COVID, right? The, the generic flu. Everything's mm-hmm. going to be, people aren't going to spread disease and get other people sick if there's social distancing, et cetera. And you can really see it on this map. And finally, these states are starting, you're starting to see these declines and even decreases in the amount of illness that's happening, temperatures. Um, so, I think it's maybe, there is some hope in some things like this. And then I saw another article with a, uh, and we talked about this like cell phone data, right? And they're starting to show uh, data where you can see effects of social distancing in which states are doing better than others. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, but you're right. It's not, it's not two weeks out. That's for sure. No. Uh, Like we are not even close to that as yet.
1: And, uh, you know, I like to be a Debbie Downer, uh, on this show. So I might as well just get it out of the way, get it out of my system here. (laughs) So, uh, 538 this is the, um, famous statistics polling site where they aggregate all the polls started by, I think it's Nate Silver. He was
0: the one that told us Hillary was going to win, right?
1: Well, yeah, there was a ninety percent chance (laughs) that she was going to win on his site, but like you know, there's always that ten percent chance. I mean, they accounted for it. So uh, what what they did is uh, they polled a bunch of experts, like a dozen or more experts, and they asked them for their estimates around the number of COVID deaths, ultimately, and then also uh, when the peak is going to be. The idea is that if you pull a bunch of experts, even if their estimates range wi- widely, which they do, right? On the low estimate, people are saying, oh, this could just be like the seasonal flu. On the high end, this could be millions of people dying, right? So how do you actually get a number that is sort of an average? Well, you take all those ranges and then you average those out. And so it's looking like the best estimate of the crowdsourced kind of numbers is 250,000 deaths, which I think is a lot more than most people are thinking it's going to be, like at least in the general public. Uh, and that's with the trajectory we're on. And, where we, and was
0: that a survey of experts or the survey of the general public? That's the survey of experts. Okay. Because yeah. so, my understanding is like when you do those types of averaging like that, you have to do the entire general population. It's, it's like how many beans are in this jar or how much is that cow weigh? Yeah, Because if you only have people that are experts in cows, it totally gets screwed, screwed up and they're off. You have to have the whole entire population set. And so it's interesting, like if these are just experts in this, you know, it could still be overinflated a little bit if well, they're not taking in you know, everything.
1: I, yeah. I mean, you can read the article and tell me yeah. what you think. But um, I, I mean, people have to have some sort of ability to judge this. I don't think the general public can yeah. accurately make an estimate. Like you couldn't even make an estimate. So you have to pull people who at least can have an opinion. Yeah. Um, so there, that's, the, that's the consensus view is uh, 246,000 deaths. And the experts on, on average think that hospitalizations will peak in May, not in April. So if hospitalizations peak in May, we can kind of just look at this like a bell curve and think, okay, this started in March, really. So March, April, May, that's three months. So two months coming down from this would be June and July. And then August September we start to get back to normal.
0: So that, I mean, it's good though if the, if the peak could be pushed out. We're not we're not close to the peak yet. That it gives it hosp- It gives more time for manufacturing and things to catch up, right? For face yeah, mask and other stuff and the ventilator machines and who knows what we could have three weeks from now. So it's actually maybe good that it's out there, but, but yeah, this expectation that this is all going to be done two and a half weeks from now yeah. is completely off base. Um, so we could talk about, uh, related to this is what billionaires think about this.
1: Yeah, sure. What do they, so they, they think? <laughs>
0: and, and and what caught my eye about this is because the billionaire that was quoted in the article, so this is an article that was on Bloomberg, it's an interview, uh, the title of the article is, Billionaires Want People Back to Work, Employees Aren't So Sure. So the, so this quote is uh, from the founder and chairman of the payroll processor Paychex.
1: Oh, what, is, what does he have to say? So this
0: is what caught my eye. So they frame this up and they uh, kind of print a picture of him saying this. Right. Um, so the billionaire Tom Golisano was smoking a pardon cigar on his patio in Florida on Tuesday afternoon, and he was worried. The damages of keeping the economy closed is as if it could be worse than losing a few more people, said Golisano, the founder and chairman of the payroll processor, Paychex, Inc. I have a very large concern that if businesses keep going along the way they're going, that many of them will have to fold. Because this is the new argument that's been popped up this week, right? Right. Should people die and put businesses back to work? And so there, there's definitely a not all billionaires think like this. Mark Cuban, who owns the Dallas Mavericks, and he um, he became a billionaire. He sold a startup to Yahoo way back in the day. I think it was Broadcast.com. I think he actually owned or something. And then now he's uh, on the Shark Tank. Most people know Mark Cuban from that. And he just said, like, people should ignore anything somebody like him says, as in as in him himself being a billionaire, and that you know lives are at stake. So, so not every billionaire thinks this, but that's a you know whole other level of. I was really shocked that somebody like from Paychex is saying this. Well, right? you uh, know their
1: business is is being hurt a lot right now because yeah. all these small businesses are letting people go, and I think you know these payroll processors, most of them charged by the employee. Yeah. So if I let go of all my staff, then I'm not paying as much to Paychex.
0: Which could – did you see the – follow the logic on this. If they're making money per employee, obviously, they don't want people to lay off employees or get rid of employees. Right. Which probably leads to – you. did you see the announcement by the AICPA with Intuit and Paychecks?
1: Yeah. So, uh, it's funny. I, I thought maybe we'd already talked about this last week, but it was only <laughs> this week that this happened. The AICPA came up with actually a really good plan that then Congress, of course, seems to have completely ignored. <laughs> Which is instead of having the IRS mail checks to people, use the payroll processors like Paychex and ADP and I don't know. uh, Well,
0: well, first it was just only Intuit and Paychex and the AACPA and they had a coalition. And when I saw that, I was like, where's all the other players? Yeah. But now they've involved – now I think it's like 20 payroll. It it took them – it's almost like they got the announcement faster than they were to got people on board. But I just thought like – A coalition would be more than two people, two two, two apps. I was kind of surprised by that.
1: Yeah, And it's a great idea, actually. So it's basically create a central payroll account that the payroll processors can tap into on behalf of their small business clients. And that way, small businesses can run payroll. And it doesn't come out of their bank account. It comes out of this central payroll account that the federal government would fund. And maybe it's uh, loan-based or... Grant based or whatever, and maybe it's a percentage of the payroll. It could the the so idea I, per- I process
0: my payroll as normal. I sent to ADP to do, to do the direct deposits, and then when they shoot out those direct deposits, they're adding in that extra twelve hundred bucks, wherever the proper amount is. That's from the government, yeah. and it just gets in the accounts. And they're just using existing rails yeah. instead of passing out checks, physical yeah. mailing checks. And or, and this is this makes so much sense because it's fast. It's
1: already set up, like you said, it's existing rails, and it would allow. Businesses to keep employees on their payrolls rather than laying them off and then the employees having to go through unemployment insurance, which I don't know if you saw the number. I think everybody in the world saw that chart of three point something million unemployment claims last week that just blows out of all possible Well, there's reports
0: of state websites for unemployment crashing. Completely right. crashing. Right. Yeah,
1: They're not set up to deal with this. It's like the CDC wasn't set up to make enough tests. Now unemployment insurance, you know, they've all just been sitting around twiddling their thumbs, not getting ready for the wave of people that are now going to be filing for unemployment. And I know in California, it can take a while to actually get your first unemployment payment. And with all these people applying all at once, it's going to take even longer. So people have rent due on, the, on in April. So how are they going to
0: pay their rent? Yeah. And you're right, using the payroll processors, this money could just be almost fully distributed in two weeks. Exactly. Instead of waiting and printing checks. and It could be almost
1: immediate. It really just depends. Um, and here's the problem with these stimulus checks. So Congress this week got through that giant $2 trillion dollar stimulus bill, which contains individual cash payments in there. $1,200 for individuals and $2,400 for couples with $500 added for every child. And then it phases out for individuals starting at around seventy five thousand. And if you make ninety nine thousand dollars or more annually, you don't get anything. But so you know, but a big chunk of the population is going to get these checks. Well, the problem is, Minuchin, Stephen Mnuchin, who is probably being optimistic here, is saying the checks are going to come in three weeks. Okay, so that's a little too late to help me with my April bills. Not, I'm not getting one. But you know, any of the people who are going to get one, they're not going to get one in time for their April bills. Uh, and so, people living
0: paycheck to paycheck are going to have problems. But I think that's optimistic. I, I I agree with you because I, I feel like after nine eleven, didn't they mail out? Didn't Bush mail out checks after nine eleven? I remember it took five six weeks for these checks to roll off these printers. Like
1: yes, exactly. And Accounting Today had an article called "Virus Payments from IRS May Take Months, Not Weeks, to Hit Bank Accounts," and they talk exactly about that. The last time the IRS sent stimulus checks in um, two thousand eight and two thousand nine, it took more than two months to get the money in the mail. So, Mnuchin is saying three weeks. Historically, the IRS, it's taken them two months. And Oh, and by the way, the three-week number, that's only for people who already have direct deposits set up through their tax filing. So, if they filed 2019 tax returns and they had direct deposit turned on, Stephen Mnuchin is saying, you're going to get your money in three weeks. Assuming
0: you still have that bank account. Right, and it hasn't
1: changed, right? So, anybody else, it's going to take months. And th- remember, this is being handled through the IRS. I mean, I feel so sorry for the IRS. because well, I saw
0: an article that they're sh- half shut down.
1: Right. They're starting to shut so down. How are they going to get the checks out? And the problem is that the IRS doesn't have a central database on all this stuff. They, they have to take what Congress appropriated and then figure out how to put those households together and how to figure out how to get the money to them. They don't necessarily know what your family looks like. Maybe you had a kid. Maybe you got married. They don't know this.
0: And so. again, there's probably no funding for the IRS in this bill to actually take on this additional work.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh-huh. I mean, there's so much in the bill. Just to to go over like the scope of it, uh, NPR has a really good visual breakdown. If you scroll in our show notes, David, down to relief packages, you'll see this image of how the two trillion dollar breaks down. Now, obviously, our listeners can't see this, but you can kind of imagine it. So the biggest bubble on this bubble chart is individuals for $560 billion. So ind- payments individuals, $560 billion. Then there's a slightly smaller bubble for big corporations. that get $500 billion. Small businesses, $377 billion. State and local governments, $340 billion. And then this kind of surprised me, public health, right? This is what we should be funding right now, is like one of the smaller bubbles, only $154 billion. And then there's like education, Forty four billion and uh, some safety net stuff. I'm not sure what's in there. That's twenty six billion. So that's how the two. Three, that's how the two billion breaks dollars down. breaks
0: down. There's tons in this, right? Some of some of these questions are um, with the vacation stuff, right? That's not really in the bill, but that was a different bill, right? Vacation stuff. The the, the vacation sick. The paid time off. The sick.
1: Oh, that was the first uh, bill. Yeah, that was the of, first bill. Um, family. What was it called? The family's first coronavirus response act.
0: That was March 18th, yeah. So you have that bill. Accountants and bookkeepers are getting tons of questions about that.
1: Well, and that's causing a lot of stress for small business owners because that bill requires small businesses to offer paid sick leave and expanded family medical leave. And those small businesses have to pay that money out up front, out of their own pocket, and then get reimbursed by the government. So how long is it going to take for them to get... Uh, reimbursed. I guess it's through payroll tax credits, so you're going to like send less payroll tax money to the government. But like a lot of the payroll services have to very very quickly figure out how to make this work in their software.
0: Yeah. So so now our accountants and bookkeepers have to be experts in that. And then now the uh, stimulus package went through, right? And then now there's all kinds of tax. Related complications with that, but then on top of all this, for the individuals that are getting refunds back, as if accountants and bookkeepers are not busy enough right now, all the non because you don't get the money if you're a non filer, right? Right. So all of a sudden now non filers for the last two or three years are showing up to accountants everywhere. I need to file my taxes. So (laughs) because accountants and bookkeepers are not busy enough, like now they have to start doing previous year's tax year
1: stuff as well. By the way, we should mention this since we're not experts and there's way too much to talk about on this podcast. If you want a good place to get COVID-19 resources for accountants, I spotted two places. David, let me know if you have any other recommendations. Um, The first one is the AICPA Coronavirus Resource Center. Uh, Link is in the show notes. It's AICPA.org slash news slash uh, it's too long. <laughs> they made it too long. I'll just put it in the show notes. Uh, Gusto's URL is a little bit easier. Gusto has been doing an amazing job on putting out resources for accountants. Covidresources.gusto.com. Go to that. It's a small business resource hub with updates about the practical how to do this tax stuff to how to emotionally manage your team during emergencies. And they've got uh, breakdowns of the latest legislation. How to get COVID-19 loan relief for small businesses, legal requirements, how to protect against the spread, what you have to do on a state-by-state basis. This is really cool.
0: Yeah. I feel like I complained last week about I used too many emails about COVID-19 like like from some tire shop where we're washing the counters. And this week, I feel like it's everybody and their brother is creating a portal, a website with COVID-19 resources. And so apps are doing it. Accounting firms are doing it. And it's just, everybody's doing a lot of unnecessary work. And because part of me is thinking like, why isn't there just, a wiki somewhere and everybody contribute to the same wiki once because it's essentially like everybody building their own version of a wikipedia yeah <laughs> like, like, like there's a reason there's a, you only need one wikipedia you don't need hundreds of them right and it's it just there's a lot a lot of people are doing a lot of work that maybe doesn't need to be done if it was a little bit more collaborative right and the acpa should lead that effort right of hey here's a open-sourced wiki where everybody can contribute to
1: that would be a great idea i I'd like that um while we're speaking about the ASCPA, did, did I mention that Engage twenty twenty is canceled?
0: No, you have not mentioned it. I don't think on this show. Okay, well
1: it, it is. <laughs> I got if an we email. did
0: if we did <laughs> some it'll rewind and they'll yes they did and then they'll they'll let us know. Uh, I'm twice.
1: losing track. Uh, so I got an email from Teresa at the ASCPA, who manages this event yesterday, and she said. Um, quote, Engage 2020 is being reimagined as a year-long digital experience, the cornerstone of which will be an online conference with, with a virtual exhibit component. That means there will not be an on-site Engage 2020. And uh, yeah, so that's the news. So they we, weren't able to reschedule.
0: And, and we pivoted Accounting Salon, which is the small conference that I put on with Amanda are You're a member of the Accounting Salon, which we usually do in May. We had to cancel that, obviously, for Everybody, we not have to go into the reasons why, but yes, we had to cancel that. But we pivoted it into a uh, virtual conference. So now, and we've opened it up to everybody. So instead of it being an invite only, teeny, teeny little conference, it's now open to the world. And there's free CP credit and anybody can join that. And the link will be in the show notes for the accounting salon virtual conference as well. We're calling it Salon V.
1: Salon V, I like that.
0: And, and really, that's the only, like at yeah, the conferences, like so many things are canceled. Like if people want CP credit, there's not a lot of options. I mean, this if this is this is more of an event, but then you have CPA Academy, but there's not – because a lot of these conferences do CPE credit, but they're not set up to do CPE credit online, and that's a big challenge. And and I don't even know, like, have you been following that? Are, are CPE credit requirements going to be delayed now? Are people going to get forgiveness for not getting them done? Have you seen anything on those?
1: No, I haven't seen lines? anything since we talked about it last week. I don't imagine they will be because – People have been getting it online for a long time. So, you know, you can go do that. The state societies do it, at least the big ones. The ICPA does it. You've got free sites like CPA Academy. So, yeah, go get your CPE. Uh, Subscribe to the Giraffe blog. And uh, next time I do a CPE webinar, you'll get one of those sent. uh, You'll get a notification sent out to you. Uh, I guess some follow up.
0: Yeah, good, good. Introduce your clients to Brex. Brex is a corporate card unlike any others. It offers instant approval, no personal guarantee from the business owner, advanced fraud protection, the ability to issue additional and physical cards as needed, and a 360-degree view of all spending activity. Brex has all the features that business owners love. Brex has also built all the features that accountants and bookkeepers love as well, like instant receipt capture and matching, intelligent categorization, smart category management, and automatic reconciliation, Smart admin tools to easily enforce policy controls, issue and shut down cards as needed, granular reporting, and deep integrations with QuickBooks, NetSuite, Expensify and Zero. Learn more about Brex, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/brex. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/b r e x. Brex is the corporate card making accountants lives better.
1: We talked last week when we were talking with Kelly Phillips-Erb, it was that at that time when Stephen Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, had announced via Twitter that tax deadline was being extended, but the IRS itself had not actually announced it on their website. And we, shortly thereafter, I think it was the next day, the IRS confirmed that, yes, in fact, the uh, tax season is delayed, at least for some filings, the individual deadline for sure, until july 15th
0: that's right because yeah we we it was not actually confirmed with the irs when we right it was about the episode last week
1: it was policy announced via tweet as is uh common these days in the administration (laughs) the thing is that a lot of other filings you know non-individual filings are still on track they're not delayed so the aicpa has recommended that relief should extend to all deadlines for filings so estimated taxes relief for all filers, such as payroll, excise tax, estate, gift, and generation skipping transfer tax, etc. Uh, the ASCPA also said the relief should apply to tax exempt organizations and fiscal year corporations for tax returns, information returns, elections, claims for refund, and other correspondence. Basically, just extending the individual deadline does not really help out accountants all that much if there are all these other deadlines that are still happening. Like, it all needs to get pushed past July 15th. And, you know, the fact that these deadlines haven't been extended is one of the reasons why, in most states, CPA firms are designated as critical businesses and are still open. You can still go into the office. Uh, In California, the governor has said that accountants are essential. So I think most accountants are working from home, but, you know, you'll find some still in the office because, you know, they aren't set up any other way than to work uh, at their office.
0: Well, not just that. There was a tweet from Megan Valaro, and she said that somebody, a Boston area CPA does not want to let uh, his, his clients email tax documents, even if they're password protected. And he is doing home visits to each client. Oh, great. Potentially spreading the virus from house to house. Yes. like We don't want that as, a, as an industry. Like We don't yeah. want to be the ones that are spreading this around.
1: Also complicating tax season is the fact that the IRS, like you said, is closing a lot of services, or they're they're running low on staff. So they announced on Friday that they're shutting down their practitioner priority service line, the e-services help desk, as well as the e-services fire and air system help desks until further notice. So if you're a tax practitioner, now you can't get that priority service. You're having even a harder time getting your tax questions answered. And this is after they have already closed their in-person taxpayer assistance centers. So now you can't get face-to-face service um, during the pandemic, and you can't even get them on the phone.
0: Well, did you see that PCAOB is going to uh, give a 45-day relief? So if you're getting audited, like, hey, we're going to stop right now and like not do anything. So they could take the staff from the PCAOB and move them over to the IRS temporarily to help out with volume and work that needs to be done.
1: Were they really doing a lot of work to begin with, I think is the question. That's a whole
0: episode. (laughs) Yes, we can revisit those types of things,
1: but (laughs) Hey, real quick follow-up on Wells Fargo, Uh, something non-coronavirus related. Wells Fargo disclosed in a regulatory filing that it has clawed back the February, 2019 award of 15 million dollars in stock to their ex CEO saying that that stock was conditional on Sloan's role and responsibility for the company's progress in resolving outstanding regulatory matters. So this is the ex CEO who uh, basically you know was was in charge when Wells Fargo failed to actually do what it promised to do when it came to fixing uh, the problems of the bank. Relating to that fake account scandal,
0: and now those numbers like don't look like anything and compared to the stimulus package. Like, it's it's kind of crazy in the like how perspective has completely changed now when you start talking about the from a, a dollar figure.
1: Well, and Sloan, by the way, uh, you know he still gets to keep his one point five million dollars in base salary that he earned in twenty nineteen, despite the fact he didn't get a severance. So I think he's going to be just fine,
0: and he's getting a check just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a check.
1: No, no, um, no, he won't I, because it phases out. If you make more than a hundred oh, thousand dollars right. as an individual, you're not getting anything. And I think it's like two hundred for couples.
0: But did he get? Did he make income in twenty twenty though? Enough? Did he break the?
1: Well, no. The so the way the um the way this individual so I payment
0: twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah, the way this individual way payment works is it's based on your tax return from twenty nineteen, and if you didn't file for twenty nineteen, it's based on twenty eighteen.
0: Yeah, my brain was thinking twenty nineteen was two years ago. So that shows how this week's gone.
1: You're living in in exponential time. So you're already in next year.
0: Yeah. Uh, So uh, I have an article that's COVID related. Um, It's a long form read from Allison Ball. So she's the global influencer strategy into it. So she wrote this on her LinkedIn page and it's how accountants and bookkeepers can help their small business clients navigate through COVID-19. And it has the typical stuff to Model cash flow, blah 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 blah. But what I really liked about her article is she actually has like good ideas like for each industry. So hey, if you have uh, clients that are in a salon, if you have clients that are plumbers, you have clients that are fitness centers, gyms, yoga studios. Like here's different strategies you can do with that client to get through this hump that we're currently in. If you want to call it a hump, right? And so she had it breaks down for industries. So you're not just it's not just the generic same blog post that everybody else has been putting out. She has real specific um, advice for people to do.
1: I have a good example from my own experience. My son usually goes to art school for an hour on Saturdays. And of course that had to close. And so now the school is doing virtual art lessons. So encouraging families to continue to you know pay every month and, and we still get something for it. So you know, I'm happy to contribute to that.
0: Yeah, and I've I've uh, we're starting our, our online school stuff all next week that's gonna you know spin up here in the Tucson area. And but I've noticed I've done a little bit more um I installed that app seamless. So I've been doing, you know, restaurant ordering to go, which I've never I've never really did before. You know, I'm just trying to go out of my way to support, you know, smaller businesses and you know push through. So to round
1: out our coverage of coronavirus COVID nineteen, I actually have some good news. So let's finish on some good news. How about that?
0: It works, it works.
1: Two stories. So the first story is a headline in Yahoo Finance, Ignore These Horrific-Sounding Economic Numbers. This is by Rick Newman. He's a senior columnist with Yahoo Finance. And he says, The terror began with Goldman Sachs predicting a 24% decline in second quarter GDP on an annualized basis. Then Morgan Stanley raised it to a 30% decline. Now Capital Economics is forecasting a 40% decline in second quarter GDP annualized. This sounds horrific. During the worst year of the Great Depression, 1932, GDP shrank by only 14%. Is the coronavirus recession really two or three times as bad as that? And he continues on and says, basically, the answer is no. The problem right now is that everybody is annualizing this data. And coronavirus is unique because we are basically stopping the economy and then as soon as it's over, we're going to start it up again. So if you, anal- if you annualize, you're assuming that this is going to continue as it is for 12 months. And it's not.
0: Which even you and your most pessimistic projections
1: didn't have it go out that far. Well, in my most pessimistic prediction, it actually is better for the economy because everybody gets sick really quick, several million people die, and then we go back to business like in July. This is the debate about um, you know, the economy versus people right, or, or, or medical advice for health, is that like if we just let everybody get infected, a lot of people would die and we'd go back to normal. So we're just stretching this out on purpose to uh,
0: give the healthcare system more time to cope. Well, specifically the healthcare employees. Right. Like that that's the ultimate problem. Like if, it, if, if we lose 200,000 000- doctors and nurses in this country. That's probably not going to help the economy at all. No. And that
1: will actually end up being worse for the economy is, you know, yeah. think about it. Millions of people dying would be really bad for the economy. So anyway, uh, even worst case scenario, I think we're probably back to business in the fall. Maybe it's not full steam, but we are back and we are testing people and we are quarantining the people that need to be quarantined. Right? we get everything going the way South Korea has been doing it and they're able to keep functioning. So we get to that point, um, then the economy restarts. And so this annualized GDP number for the second quarter doesn't make sense anymore. So if you actually anticipate growth in, say, the fourth quarter or third quarter, the actual GDP drop is only going to be 1.9% for the entire year compared with 2019. So it's not going to be 40% decline in GDP. It's going to be a few percentage points. And that is good news because, yes, we're going to be in a recession, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that bad, you know, or that long. It's not going to be the Great Depression again. Of course, there's a lot of assumptions in there, which is that, you know, we, we don't have everybody in the country defaulting on their mortgages and not paying their rent. So we're going to have to figure that out as a country. But uh, if we can avoid a housing crisis because people aren't you know, paying their mortgages or whatever, we should be okay. And that's backed up by a PWC survey. This is that second item of good news. They surveyed 50 CFOs at big companies and asked, if COVID-19 were to end today, how long would you estimate it would take for your company to get back to business as usual? And they said 66%, two-thirds said less than a month. And 24% said one to three months. Only 8% said three to six months, 2% six to 12 months. And nobody thinks it would take more than 12 months to get back to business as usual. So this is good news. Two-thirds of CFOs say, less than a month once COVID ends.
0: And I, I think that only stands true though, if they keep their employees, right? If if, if you right. let go of your employees and you have to rehire staff, that could add a lot of extra problems. Well, and this
1: is why I don't think there have been a ton of layoffs at big companies. Most big companies are using their cash reserves to continue to pay people, weather the storm, because they know when this thing ends, they're going to need those people. It's the small businesses that don't have the cash reserves that are going payroll to payroll that had to lay everybody off. And that's where we should be focusing the relief, is keeping those people employed. The problem is our system isn't set up to do that, and it's all through unemployment. So everybody had to get laid off and now file for unemployment, and it's a question as to how long is it going to take them to get the money they need to pay their rent and to pay their mortgages. That's the big question. In a way, is uh, but, but, okay. but David, we're supposed to be
0: staying positive. This is positive. Positive, positive, okay. <laughs>
1: Sorry, what were you going to say?
0: I was going to say, in a way, this is almost uh, a play on um, a- Andrew Yang's like, um, universal basic income. Oh, yeah. Right? Because yeah. I think they're going to, even if you still have jobs, there's at a certain level, they're going to supplement income still. And it's going to be interesting if I can make a social experiment. Will people just say, ah, forget my job. I'll just take the free money. Or will people still work? Because that's the big fear of doing universal basic income arguments, right? Is people will just quit working entirely. That was
1: one of the holdups of the bill in the Congress was some Republicans were saying that the unemployment benefit increase was too generous. And so some people would actually be making more money unemployed for this four month period, and they didn't want to incentivize that, which kind of makes sense. But, you know, it'll be an interesting um, case study to see uh, what happens. I think people want to work. I don't think they want to stay unemployed.
0: Yeah, because not working is making everybody crazy right now.
1: Exactly. Everybody's, sure. everybody's, what these Congress people don't understand is everybody just wants to get out of the house and go to work because they
0: don't want to be with their families. <laughs> We're spending too much time with our families. We're going nuts. Um, so I have two articles that are not super COVID related, but I think it's helpful for the way um, accounts and bookkeepers could help their clients. Assuming you actually have time to do some advising outside of the finances. Sure. Is really so you've probably have heard about uh distilleries are now making hand sanitizer. I even think that's in the bill to be honest. I think I heard something about that there there's a incentive for distilleries to make hand sanitizer actually called out in the bill. No, I
1: disagree with this David. I think this is bad policy. I think the distilleries should be making as much alcohol as possible <laughs> and sending it for free to <laughs> to all of us.
0: But, but, but that's thought- just me. Another article where um, a lot of restaurants now are selling, you know, their truffle butter directly to consumers, right? Uh-huh. And uh, restaurant uh, wholesalers. And now you're seeing farmers, like organic farms, because restaurants aren't buying all those little organic hens anymore that they would sell. And so restaurant farmers are finding out how to sell things either online. So this is a waste where I'm going with this is I think if you are an account or bookkeeper, look at these articles and see – Look at your clients as well. But the, is there other ways you can help them pivot a little to go either straight to the consumer or change what they're doing to make money? The
1: businesses that survive are going to be the ones that can adapt to a new model, new business model. And I mean, some your fixed costs are just too high. There's just no way you can survive. That's why a lot of restaurants are going out of business or just not paying their rent. Uh, but you know, there's some that that can do it. You know, personal trainers, right? Offering virtual training sessions, like. If you're not trying that, then you're just dooming yourself to not having any revenue for months.
0: Well, everybody's worried about the cruise ships, right? It's like, well, then convert two or three of the cruise ships into hospitals, right? Yeah. Like there, there, there's probably, uh, if you start thinking about this, even at this gigantic scale, there's lots of alternatives for whatever resources we have and the way we're, we're using them to them to be utilized in a much better way temporarily.
1: Well, I'll tell you this: I am never going on a cruise. <laughs> like, there's just no at this point, Ever. you know, floating, floating pandemic jails is the way I, I view them at this point.
0: But they're going to be so um, cheap. The prices, it's going to be the deals. Oh like, you're going to be unbel- you, you, you would get the <laughs> unlimited amount of spirits to drink for a very good price. I
1: guess if I could, if I could afford one of the like suites on the cruise ship, where if I were locked in that thing for a month, I wouldn't mind. Then yes, I'll do that.
0: Uh, should we jump into app news yet? What do you What do you think?
1: Yeah, let's talk about some app news. There was some big news with uh, Revolut. That's how you say that, right? The bank? Yes. The neobank? What's going so, on with So them?
0: Revolut is their, I think we mentioned they planned on launching the U.S. So they launched last week. Um, and amid all, amidst all this chaos, they still moved forward and launched their bank in the U.S. So as of right now, you could uh, get the app. In the U.S. app stores and sign up for an online bank if you'd like. Especially if you're trying to get your tax refunds, you need to get file some taxes and get a direct deposit account.
1: So this is one of those apps where, and it's spelled R-E-V-O-L-U-T, I download the app and I can sign up for a bank account without having to go into a bank branch?
0: There's no physical branch whatsoever.
1: No. FDIC insured up to $250,000. Are there any other like cool features of this that I should know about, because I ha- I don't know anything about this.
0: It's not it's not um, business focused. It's consumer focused. Okay. Um, and obviously I've not tried it. I don't know anybody else who's tried it. But my the vibe I was getting from reading about it in Europe is people who use it love it. You don't hear a lot of people talk about loving their bank. Yeah. Very much. And they 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 really love it as a service. Um, I, I think it's interesting because it's going to gray those waters of a product like Venmo.
1: Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Or Venmo and these guys would have to head this way to become a bank. But because you have your debit card, you're doing your banking in here. Um, it's all one app. You also just, you know, because everything, everything's starting to get categorized automatically. Then do you even need an app like Mint at that point, right? Right. So
1: I'm looking at the screenshot in this TechCrunch story and the screenshot shows my balance and a trended balance. So I have a line of my, and here's what I have in my bank here's what I'm spending. And then it's broken down by category. So it looks like I can categorize and I can see
0: how much I'm spending on each category. That's really neat. And, and I think what's what's different about this versus some of these other apps is this is really running, it's a real bank. It's not like an app running on top of data it has to get from your bank. Right. And And it puts them in a very competitive advantage.
1: Here's something cool from the article. So It says that one of their key features is that you can convert from one currency to another based on the interbank rate with a low fee, sometimes without any markup for popular currencies and small transactions. You can hold foreign currencies in your Revolut account or send money to another Revolut user or a bank account in another country. That's pretty neat. And then they also offer in the U.S. the ability to receive your salary two days in advance if you share your Revolut banking details with your employer. Is this the one that also allows you to do cryptocurrency?
0: That, I don't know if they do that or not, the crypto.
1: Yeah, it looks like you can actually hold Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency in your Revolut account. So just like a foreign currency. So they work with Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, and XRP in the app.
0: I helped my daughter open an online bank account with um, Capital One. And we did it all online through a website. And so you so. You can actually open bank accounts now without going to a branch. It's possible. Um, but but to be completely a challenger bank, right? This this is one of these new banks. They they don't they really haven't existed before, right? They're they're brand new. They, they don't have 80 years of institutionalized decision making and plans that they're stuck in in the old ways, and it's gonna be a disruptor. And and this is not gonna be the first, right? Um and we've always we've been talking about this for months, right? apps are becoming banks. They want to become banks. Did you see Square has filed to become a bank officially and they got their charter? Yeah. Approved. So, does that mean
1: that they are now a bank or is there some like additional process that has to take place?
0: So, their application to become a bank was conditionally approved by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp, FDIC, and they got also approved by the Utah Department of Financial Institutions. So, they've officially are launching a bank. It's going to be called Square Financial Services in 2021.
1: Got it. So no impact in 2020, but we should look forward to that in 2021. That's going to be a big deal because now people buying a point of sale to start up a new business, once all this COVID stuff is over, they're just going to sign up for a Square Bank account along with their credit card processing.
0: Well, is this going to be the, what tips it? Like Square got it. Um, I think Cabbage was applying. I think I saw, um, I think in an article before Cabbage and some other players, it's just, we're going to see the Intuit Bank. Like, is this going to be the domino now?
1: I think Intuit has to do it. Yeah. I think we're going to see it happen. Um, Let's see. We were talking about crypto a little bit. Did you see that news about how the digital dollar almost made it into this giant Senate bill?
0: Yeah, I think you tweeted that. And I, I, was, I was a little like shocked. I was like, I didn't read the article when you tweeted it, but I was just like, I don't think it's probably and the, the times we're in right now to do some experimenting with what is a dollar.
1: So we've talked about the concept of the digital dollar in previous episodes. And this is the idea that the Fed should create its own dollar backed cryptocurrency and use it to give a free bank account with the Federal Reserve to every American. And this way, the Fed could loan money or inject money or print money straight into an account of every individual in the United States in a time of crisis, rather than mailing a check or having to go through the banks. It would be a way to create liquidity for individuals. And I thought it was a brilliant idea when I heard about it months ago. And wouldn't it have been great to have something like that right now so that people wouldn't have to wait for months to get their checks from the IRS, well, somebody tried to sneak this into some legislation in the House when the when it wasn't clear that the Senate bill was going to pass, and maybe the House would do its own version of this language. Actually, made it into the the House bill to create a digital dollar and get this hap- to happen, and then it got stripped out, and the House bill never happened, and so it didn't make it into the Senate bill either. Uh, but I think this shows that there is a a wave. Of support for this coming. And I think maybe after this crisis, I think given how bad it's going to be for individuals and small businesses because of the lag, maybe this will actually happen for real.
0: Uh, I think somebody put on that tweet thread that the government's already been doing this in a way with um, for food stamps and uh, distributing money through electronic means already. They just charge up your card.
1: Yeah, they do um, these prepaid debit cards is what they're doing. And that's how California does it. They partner, I think, with Bank of America. So if you file for unemployment, they'll send you a debit card and then load it up every week with your money, and that's how you can spend it, just directly that way. So this would be, the digital dollar accounts would actually be set up via the banks. So you'd you'd register with a bank to have one of these accounts, and that would be linked to the cryptocurrency or whatever. And then you could transfer the money from that account into a regular bank account or just spend it directly using you know, a debit card maybe the bank provides. So they would still go through banks to actually provision the tech, but it would be something that the federal government could just directly inject cash into if they
0: needed to. Uh, did you see that Robinhood? So we've talked about Robinhood, Robinhood, their whole platform crashed. on They're still the around? Swings in the market. <laughs> They're still around, but they they, they are apologizing now. Oh. They, they're, they're, they're apologizing for the recent outages. Um, they're, they, they say they owe it to their customers that, they, that they'll do better. And um, they're giving out a small credit. I think you've talked about the credit before. It's but like 15 kind bucks, of though, right? They apologized. Yeah. Um, and they said that their engineering team has further strengthened and stabilized the systems.
1: Well, you know, it's a free product, you get what you pay for.
0: We'll we'll see how how they do with that. And then speaking of other products that have kind of gone free in a way, have you seen the the reports on how much the usage? Well, we have talked about Zoom, I think, last week, but even Slack now mm-hmm. is is going through the roof.
1: Well, I saw that Slack posted, or the CEO of Slack wrote about how many new users they're seeing, and their stock went up like I don't know, fourteen percent or something because of that. And you had some data on Microsoft Teams, right?
0: Yeah, and I can't find the article. So I know the, I, I cannot find the article, but I heard this um, on a podcast. Microsoft Teams, because a lot of companies are already on Office 365. They've had Microsoft Teams for two, three, four years, probably, and they've never used it. With everybody working at home, since they already have it, they're just turning it on and using it. And Microsoft Teams in one week added as many users as Slack entirely has. Wow. Like so It just shows kind of that Microsoft scale. Right of like in a week, they added a whole entire Slack. That's crazy. And in, in one week of use, but these yeah, work at home is the uh, way to do it. On a lighter note, have you done any of these like kind of use Zoom to do a social thing?
1: Yeah, we did a work happy hour once <laughs> in the last three weeks, and then we kind of you know let that go. But I'm in I'm in favor of it.
0: I, I'm getting invited to a lot of them, and. Yeah, I think it's kind of fun to do, but I also might, I'm now in a zoom eight hours a day. I don't want to do another zoom <laughs> like in the evening. Right. Like, like I think that's the, and it actually, in a way it makes you miss going out and having a drink. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, or even like with all these conferences getting canceled, you know, I'm starting to like, it's starting to settle, set into me that like, I'm exchanging emails from people that I normally would be able to give a hug to at a conference. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to hit, it hit me yesterday. I was like, I don't know. I'm going to see these people again, like physically see these people. I don't know if I'm going to physically see you. Who knows when, Blake? In September, well, it'll happen. Okay, <laughs> August, September.
1: I'm confident. I mean, it, it has to end at that point. I think it has to end. Schools have to open in the fall. That's like there's no other option. As a parent, I, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll vote for anyone who says they're going to open the schools in the fall, regardless.
0: I think that's one of the things you're going to say is teacher funding. Teachers are going to like, people are going to vote for teacher raises. Teachers are going to get funny. School budgets are going to go up. <laughs> Absolutely. They will. Like yeah, nobody, because yeah. this is the alternative. We don't have schools. We don't have a funded school system. Kids are going to be home with you. Oh God. And no. nobody wants this. No, no, David. No. <laughs> like school budgets are going to skyrocket after this. I predict Because they can money. threaten. They take can threaten. All. Hey, now they can threaten. Now, now a teacher strike means something. Hey, we're going to strike. Oh no, no, no. We've we've been through this. Like no. yeah, yeah, they're gonna get through that uh somehow. I think that's about it. I don't know. Is there anything else we haven't beat on this week?
1: Uh I have an article, the best hair clippers for home use in 2020. <laughs> because you know we're all gonna start cutting our own hair pretty soon. In case you're wondering, the wire cutter says that the Wall Elite Pro High Performance Haircut Kit number 79602 is the best home hair clipper, and you can get it for 50 bucks on walmart.com. Link is in the show notes.
0: And I saw uh, Veronica Wasek, who is uh, an accountant and it's on Facebook. She's done some, a lot of YouTube videos and training videos for QuickBooks. Uh, so she was out there saying she started her own self haircut today. So accountants and bookkeepers. Oh. Uh, this is a new new skill set. You can uh, Now, do you have to get a new credential? So you'll be like a CPA and then whatever the licensing for the hairdresser is?
1: Well, you can cut your own hair. You just can't charge anybody to cut their hair. So don't be don't be charging your family members to cut their hair, or you're going to be in violation of state
0: licensing
1: laws in most cases.
0: Not in Arizona, though. I think in Arizona you just have to disclose.
1: Uh, no, I th- wasn't that a bill that got shot That's down? Bill,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if it's shut down right now, but yeah. who knows what this does. Yeah. Uh So a reminder to everybody: if you are cutting your hair, call us and tell us about this. <laughs> yes, like, like we want to. I want to hear how it's going out there because I feel like the vibe I'm seeing online and people are doing tweets here or they're frustrated with the uh, SBA loan process or, you know, I, I've even seen people frustrated with some of the benefits corporations are giving, right? Give us a call, like vent, like let us know mm. how it's going out there for all of you that are out there, all you listeners. Um, what's the phone number, Blake? It is
1: 202-695-1040. That is 202-695-1040. Leave us a message and we'll take a listen and we might even play it on the air
0: and is there any limit like can people just leave a five minute message if they want it's google
1: voice so whatever limits they have i don't know
0: oh, so yeah. we'll assume it's limited unlimited at yeah. this point
1: leave us a message if you start ranting and it gets cut off you know
0: hang up call back hang up, and hang call up back, call back, and
1: finish your message that's right all right david um well, i'm gonna go spend some time with my family some more time with my family getting a lot of family time in
0: i'm trying to i uh let me, let me actually this is a question for you. This is this a good idea or a bad idea based on our knowledge of Florida? So right before all this started, I, I ordered a um in Arizona, lawn chairs outside patio furniture, they dry rot eventually. The sun is just too intense. Mm-hmm. So I ordered the new um they call them let's just call it material. Oh, they call them slings. It's slings. And you and you have to reattach this you know to the chairs so i ordered them custom made from florida and they showed up and i'm wondering like based on our knowledge of how florida had zero social distancing happening the last you know two weeks do i touch these
1: i bet that arizona sun is just going to kill everything (laughs) if it's been (laughs) outside long enough
0: exactly so i'll post some pictures and if people want to see that they can just follow me on twitter now what if they want to see you sitting by the pool
1: uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Blake T Oliver or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Blake Oliver CPA. And you're also welcome to email me Blake at blakeoliver.com. How about you, David?
0: I'm at David Leary on Twitter and on, uh, LinkedIn
1: until next week. Stay safe. Stay healthy.
0: Bye everyone. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created. Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.